1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. You are now back in the office, but not back here in studio. How is the gradual reopening working out for your sector? Good morning. It has been actually very busy, so... Almost like we haven't missed a beat because there's people have just been waiting for you know real estate offices to open back up again and be able to continue with the plans that they had heading into April. And what about in terms of showings? Do the virtual showings continue, and how is that working for buyers and sellers? They do. People are more accustomed to using a virtual tour or a virtual open house to conduct their first viewing so that they're not wasting their time going out and seeing properties that they may not like. So there's been some great additions to our business over this COVID-19 period, and these are things that are going to stick with us as we move the industry forward because it makes it more efficient. So these are changes that were made because of COVID-19, but you're thinking that this kind of stuff is going to last. Yeah, there are certain tools that uh, will last, and that's great news because it really does make the home buying experience a lot better for the buyers and also for sellers. It makes it a lot easier for them. You're not getting the tire kickers anymore. You're not. You're getting more people that are actually interested in seeing that property, going to that property, so the offers that you're getting are you know, significantly better. You're not getting into lowball offers. It's been a win-win for buyers and sellers. Now, in terms of that home buying experience, when you actually physically have to visit a home, what is that atmosphere? What is that like these days? We have protocols built in for safety. So we do have kits in our cars for our clients. So we have hand sanitizers, we have gloves, we have booties for their shoes or their feet. We have uh, alcohol swabs for them uh, just to clean up afterwards. And we also have masks. So we're taking all the precautions uh, necessary in order to make it a safe experience and also to protect them the best we can for both buyers and sellers. Now, one of the stories making headlines this week, and I want to get your take on this, the National Bank of Canada expects a sharp drop in real estate prices, with Toronto and Vancouver hit the hardest. What do you think about this headline? You know, this started uh, with CMHC coming out a couple of weeks ago, Tina, with a projected 9 to 18% price drop, uh, led by, again, Vancouver and Toronto. Vancouver and Toronto seem to be the markets that everyone focuses on because they do lead our economy. They do lead the Canadian economy, the housing markets in Canada, because of the sheer demand and, and the eyeballs that are associated with those two markets. We aren't seeing that in real life. So sure, you can project, you can forecast, and I'm sure they have analysis done from previous recessions or previous price drops, but we're not seeing that right now. And it was the same thing at the end of 2008 when people were saying, we're going to go into a recession, prices are going to drop. We didn't see that in terms of 
the Toronto market or the Vancouver market. It was very short-lived, maybe about two or three months. And now, even in this environment, we're seeing price increases. And it, it doesn't – these reports aren't reflective of anything that's actually having in the market. Now, in terms of analysis, you did a bit of a comparison recently between this time last year. What can you tell us about some of the highlights of your analysis? You know, real estate is very hyper-local, and at the same time, it's really hard to get a full picture of the market, Tina, when you take a small snapshot. So when you're comparing this May to last May or this January to last January, you're not getting the full picture. So what I did was I compared the first five months of 2019 to the first five months of 2020. And of course, we were down in sales, but we weren't down the 50 or 60% that people have been talking about because that's month over month. What we're seeing is in the first five months of 2019, we sold 35,037 homes. And in the first five months of 2020, we sold 27,313. That's a 22% drop. With the pent-up demand that we have out right now and the number of listings that are starting to come on because listings were pretty much non-existent during the last three months, we're going to make that 22% up. So what does that do for price? If you look at the average price month over month, you're looking at a 3% increase, a 3.02% increase. But let's look at what the average price was on January the 1st, 2020. So the annual average price in January was 838000 Going back, if you look at the entire year of 2019, the average annual price was 819305 And now if you look at the average for the entire five months, we're looking at 878449 That's a significant increase. That's about a 5% increase. And when you're talking about the average price being in the $800,000 range, $900,000 range, that's about $45,000 of buying power that you're giving away by waiting if the price continues to go up at that same rate. And there's no indications as to why we would have a significant price drop because the supply and demand are way off. Like There's very little supply, so much demand, and pent-up demand that it's going to continue to drive prices up. Every property that you see out there is getting multiple offers, going into bidding wars. And the best people to ask are buyers and sellers that are active in the market right now because they're seeing this firsthand. So rather than go to analysts that are coming up with these numbers that we as realtors have no idea where they're getting them from because we actually see the true picture and we're able to relate that to the market. But if you were to go out and not ask a realtor, but ask a buyer who's looking for a home right now or a seller who has their home on the market right now, they're going to tell you how hot the market is. When we come back, we take a deeper dive into those new mortgage rules and what they mean to new home buyers. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez. And my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties with today's guest. 
Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Asif Kasim from the Integrity Tree. Asif, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Asif, we're going to begin with the CMHC rule changes, what they're all about, how they're going to affect the market, and what options are available for the buyers. So tell us a little bit first about what's going on with these rule changes uh, that they've proposed and putting into place. Well, these rule changes that they put into place, I think there was a perspective from CMHC that it would help uh, protect consumers um, in the long run from price changes or dropping in values and uh, not being underwater with their mortgages and their properties, that sort of thing. And the type of changes they've made are deterring, I would say, more entry-level buyers uh, in the market, uh, more of the lower income buyers in the market, uh, it's making it more difficult, almost turning them into permanent renters because under their program, you're not going to be able to qualify for anything unless you try far, far out of GTA. So what specifically then, Asif, are we looking at in terms of how to qualify? What is the, what is the big change? So a couple of things that they changed uh, are... First and foremost, they, they increased the credit score, so the minimum you can have uh, as a credit score. And keep in mind, this is all for everybody buying with less than 20%. If you're putting 20% down, this doesn't impact you. This is if you're putting less than 20% down. You have to have a 680 beacon score. Whereas before, we could have gone low, as low as 640 or 650 with reasoning. Uh, now it's 680 minimum, and that's with CMHC. Um, that's one rule change. Second rule change that didn't necessarily apply to everybody or not everybody even knew about was you can't borrow the funds. So, for example, if I was putting a down payment on a property and I wanted to use my line of credit to borrow some of that line, um, some of that down payment, I could. That's been eliminated now. You're still allowed to have a gift from uh, family, but you're not allowed to borrow the money from a line of credit or, or any type of resource. So that's always that's been around for a long time. It just wasn't talked about often. So that's the other change. The third change that is probably the most significant is the changing of the ratios of what's allowed um, or, or in terms of your gross debt ratio and your total debt service ratio. Uh, We've been operating in a space for many years of being able to have a, a GDS and a TDS of 39 and 44. And then what that means is no more than 39% of your income can go towards your mortgage payments, and then no more than 44% of your income can go to your mortgage payments plus your debts. Now, that's all dropped down to 35 and 42. So that... I believe when the math is done on that, it's about a 10 to 12% drop in what you can qualify for. So that's a significant drop-off, people. And also, that sure is a significant drop-off because if you're thinking of a, a mortgage of, say, $500,000 and, and you're taking away 10 to 12% of that, that significantly reduces someone's buying power. Exactly, exactly. Now... It all, I mean, when we put things into perspective, in the York region, how often are you going to find a property that is that, um, you know, under four or five hundred thousand dollars? So typically they're, they're about that. So, you know, it's going to impact a segment of the market, but it's a very small segment of the market as well. 
But the other side of it is, it's only CMHC that's doing this. Uh, Canada Guarantee and Genworth, the other two insurers in the market, they're not following suit. They're staying status quo, what it always was before. Okay, so what does that mean? So they're they're not changing the rules that CMHC has put into place. So if I were to go for argument's sake, uh, just for just for description, if I were to go to Scotiabank, submit a mortgage to them, Scotiabank can take it to either CMHC, Genworth, or Kenda Guarantee for mortgage insurance. Well, if they took it to CMHC, they have to abide by, by the new CMHC rules, but they could take it to Kenda Guarantee or Genworth for insurance, and the old rules will still apply. So you still qualify for uh, the same amounts as before. So it's not all despair. Uh, it's not going to uh, alter too many things because most lenders have relationships with uh, at least one of the others. And maybe they don't have a relationship with Kenda Guarantee or Generous, but they have one or the other. Sometimes they have both. So if they're not going to CMHC, they'll just take it to one of the others. That's another good point. But do you think CMHC, uh, we've heard rumors that they don't like a rogue Genworth or a rogue Kenda Guarantee. They want them to comply with the rules that they've set out. One, so they don't lose business to them, but at the same time, they want these changes to affect the entire market. Do you think CMAC will pressure the other two to make those changes? And two, is it up to the lender on who they choose for a guarantor, or do they have set uh, insurance companies? Like if Scotiabank or TD or somebody were to say, I only deal with CMAC and these are the rules you have to follow, does that happen? Do you see that often? Well, <clears throat> with regards to the pressure, I'm positive CMHC would want to uh, have this across the board. But the other two are private companies, so they can pick and choose what they'd like to do. More often than not, they do fall in line and follow what CMHC does. However, they can choose not to. There have been times where they did not follow suit uh, with any regulation or any changes that CMHC has done. Um, but more times than not, they do. I, they've come out right and put out uh, communication stating that they're not changing. So we'll see how long that lasts for. I don't know if they really can be forced into it. Um, I guess it'll it'll come down to, um, I guess it's a, a government thing. If the government decides that, yeah, they want the same rules from CMHC to roll across the board, they can enforce it, I suppose. But I, I'm, I'm guessing at that. Um, with regards to lenders, different lenders have different relationships. I remember there was one lender in particular. Uh, I can't get into the, the names of it, but one lender in particular had a 7-to-1 ratio with CMHC. So seven deals would come in, it would go to CMHC, and one would go to Genworth. And that was a historic relationship that was there forever. Does that still exist? Probably, to some degree. Um, other Other lenders will choose Genworth over the rest of them because they have investors that choose generous to bulk insure or they have generous behind the scenes where that's um, that's their preferred insurer. So uh, can to guarantee as well. So everybody has a choice. When I go into any particular lender, they'll review the case and determine what are the ratios. They'll determine um, what does the profile look like and I'm positive if it fit the parameter for CMHC, they'd send it to CMHC first to fill that bucket of pooling. But if it didn't fit, then they have options. But they're probably thinking along the lines of, will this fit CMHC? And if it does, okay, let's just send it there anyway and satisfy that need to 
to insure it with them. But they definitely have options. And Asif, what do you think, um, maybe this is your best guess, what was the goal here? What was the intent of CMHC to make these changes? <laughs> this is a very uh, hotly debated topic. Um, there is a, the, the optics that they sent out was we're protecting consumers. Well, they're not really protecting consumers because if you already own a home or you're putting down 20%, this doesn't impact you anyway. Um, and the reality is the numbers based on, I know discussions I've had with many uh, real estate professionals, the numbers don't seem to be dropping significantly anyway. It doesn't seem that it's going to have that 18% drop-off based on what CMT is um, projecting. Um, they're, they're basically trying to keep consumers from getting in too deep and being hand-to-mouth or being in a position where if their property value drops that they're in a um, negative space, right? Now, that being said, all of these things, as we're aware of, only really impact you if you're trying to sell your property. If you're going to hold on to the property for the long run, even if the market drops, it's irrelevant. It'll go back up over time anyway, all right? So... I'm not sure outside of that if they had any other reasoning, if, they're in, if their intent was to cool the market, because I don't see how it would help to cool the market. And Asif, I'm glad you brought up that article with the, uh, the projected 9 to 18% uh, drop in pricing, because the thing is, it almost feels like that was a setup for what was to come, because we haven't seen any signs, we haven't seen anything to back up this nine to 18% drop that they're talking about. In fact, if you look at sales from January until May for 2020, we're up 4.8% over last year's average price. So uh, it, does it, do you think this is almost, that report was put out to set this up to say, hey, prices may fall, so this is why we're protecting you? You know what? I, I wouldn't doubt it. Nothing is done without a reason. Nothing is done haphazardly or just on the spur of the moment. It's They've thought out what they're going to do. There's always a strategy in place. So, I, you know, I don't want to say yes for sure, but in my opinion, I, I would say that they were setting this up for, from a while ago. They were dropping hints that they were going to make major changes. And, I mean, what has happened is a lot of people are speculating that maybe they're running out of money and they're trying to find other ways to to slow the need for insuring places or maybe they're they're trying to find other ways of increasing their their pool, their um, reserves. There's so many different speculations out there, right? You can't really say one or the other because we don't have the data. We're not in there. But this is definitely something that they put thought into because these things don't happen one morning when somebody wakes up and says, we're going to make these rule changes. This is something thought out over months, and then there's a way of, rolling it out. Just one last question then, Asif. If, you know, borrowing from the bank of mom and dad, as Asif likes to tell us, is not an option, if a line yeah. of credit is not an option, then what's your advice for first-time buyers? Well, from home, first-time home buyers, they can still get a gift for mom and dad. They just can't borrow it. So that's one way of going around it. Uh, in all honesty, the other option is if you have to look further out, look further out for something that's more affordable in your range. Uh, keeping in mind, there's still the option of going through Canada Guarantee and Genworth for, for the insurance if you're putting less than 20% down. It just 
you're not allowed to borrow the money from your line of credit anymore. That's really all it is. And um, it, there was only a very small select few people that were doing that. But there are still options out there. It's always best to speak to a professional to find out what your particular case is because it differs from person to person. Awesome. And awesome. if people want more information about this or they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to contact you? They can give me a call at 416-561-1258, or they can go to integritytree.ca. Thank you very much, Asif. We miss you around here. See you soon. See you guys soon. Thanks for having me again. When we come back, this week's hot listing, and we get to your questions. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for questions from our listeners. And the first one comes from Ben in Richmond Hill. He wants to know if he should realistically plan to list his home this summer or wait until next spring. If he waits, what are those changes to make now to make his property more attractive to a buyer? Good question, Ben, and that's something that we've been getting a lot. We don't have a crystal ball for what's going to happen next spring, but what I do know and I can tell you is right now we have a shortage of inventory. So it would be best for you to get on the market as soon as you can to take advantage of the number of buyers out there. There's a lot of pent-up demand. Everything is going into bidding wars, multiple offers, and you wouldn't have to do anything to your property right now because of the sheer number of buyers that are out there, because of the demand and the limited supply. This would be your best opportunity to capitalize on selling your home without having to do much at all. And what about the price tag he could attach to that home? Would it be higher or lower right now? Right now, over the COVID period, we're, we're looking at price increases, even just from March to now, of a couple of points. But if you look at what the average price was, so, you know, what we talked about earlier in the show was our average price was $819,000 on January 1st. And now we're looking at an average price in the GTA of about $880,000. So price has gone up significantly, and that's because there's so much demand out there and not enough inventory. So to take advantage of that, now would be the time to jump on the market. Our next question comes from Ashley in Newmarket. She purchased a new construction condo late last fall. She is now worried about the price she paid. Will the value of her condo decrease? Will it change how much rent she could charge? And what about additional delays on completion date? There's a few questions in there, Asif. There are, and I'll get to the last one first. So realistically, if the condo was already under construction, then it is probably okay. They're probably going ahead. If it hadn't started construction, those were the projects that were stopped, and now they're back building again. So you wouldn't have that much of a delay if you did have one at all. The rent will actually go up, so you would be able to charge more rent. Condo rents are skyrocketing right now just because there's not a lot of condos available, not a lot of rental properties available. So you're looking at a rent that's going to be escalating, and at the same time, your value will appreciate because there's if you would have bought in 2016 or 2017, those prices were a little bit higher than what they should have been. The builders were taking advantage of that. But if you bought last year or even this year, 
you're, you're still going to, your, your property is going to appreciate. You're, you're not going to see a drop at all in terms of the value of your condo. Your rental value is going to go up and there shouldn't be a delay on completion. All right. It sounds like we covered all the bases there. Time now for the on the market hot listing. And joining us next is Heather Cooper from Remax Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. This week's hot listing is a Richmond Hill beauty. This home is located in the highly sought after Westbrook community and sits on a premium 50 by 200 foot lot. This home is 3,200 square feet and features four bedrooms and four bathrooms. Some of the upgrades include hardwood flooring throughout, stainless steel appliances, granite countertops, crown molding, pot lights, California shutters, and a gas fireplace in the family room. The yard is beautifully landscaped and the driveway is a sleek stamped concrete. This home has amazing curb appeal. This house is gorgeous on both the inside and out. Asif, what is your take on this property? Great area, great location, and the house really is move-in condition. I mean, there's nothing to do. Everything has been done on the inside. The outside is gorgeous. And with people realizing that they need more space or they need something different than what they were locked up in for three months, <laughs> this is a perfect place to be, and it's, you can have a larger family here too. Okay, so Heather, one more time, the highlights of this property, the list price, and where our listeners can get more information. Okay, this home is a huge 3,200-square-foot home. It's four bedrooms, four bathrooms. It's located at 72 Brookside Road North in Richmond Hill. The list price on this home is $1,750,000. And for more information, they can contact Helen Liu at 905-554-5522. And Asif, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how can they do that? Tina, they can reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. That's our show for this week. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.